Alrighty, welcome back to the Celtics Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Tubtabai. I'm joined by Alex Holberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. And we bring in our very good friend, Anna Horford. Anna, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys? We're great. The off-season is simultaneously full of news and kind of relaxed. Um, Anna, since you last visited our podcast, uh, you got married. We all wish you uh, a huge congratulations. And... um, we're excited to have you back. Thank you so much. I'm excited to catch up with you guys. And it's been a weird off season just because um, we ended our season so late. And now it already feels like the next season is just, you know, right around the corner, which it is. So I'm excited. Yeah, I guess we haven't talked to you. Do you have a rapid reaction to the the finals? I mean, seeing seeing the team, seeing Al get to the finals must have been pretty fun. It was awesome. It just ended in utter heartbreak. <laughs> um, it, it was a really exciting time, I think, for the Celtics and our family and like the franchise in general. But obviously, we didn't get the outcome that we wanted. Um, but that also makes me super excited for this season because this team is, you know, only going to get better and do better. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Al, actually, I think had one of the kind of standout performances of that finals for the Celtics. And, you know, it's just kind of a culmination of a really impressive year for him. And I hope that the Celtics kind of, it seems like going forward, their plan is to kind of manage his minutes a little bit as he gets up there in years. But I really hope we can see another big playoffs run out of him because he was just completely essential to everything that they did to get to that finals. All right. So, um, Anna, actually, today we're going to talk to you more as a member of the Horford family than we usually do. Um, usually our, you're our CLNS colleague, but today we're going to talk about things um, a little closer to home. So we're going to drop, drop into the Celtics lab and talk to you about a couple of things that have happened in the past few weeks. Um, and I guess we can start with what you teased. The offseason was a short one, but do you think NBA players see their families more in the offseason, less because, you know, they go and disassociate on vacation? Like, have you seen Al more this summer than you otherwise would? So it's weird. I think every player's different just because, you know, I've known a few NBA players in my day. But um, for Al, I think his main focus is kind of, um, you know, taking a nice vacation with his kids. He is a dad of four with one on the way. So five kids, right? And it's funny because we had been going to so many games this season and so many playoff games. And we had such a deep playoff run that I actually saw him more during the season. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, I mean, just like getting out there to Boston and stuff. And right now he and his family are just kind of enjoying um, their time together. This is like the time for him to really bond with the kids and his wife and whatnot. So um, yeah, it's funny. I actually saw him more during the season. What was um, his mood like in that time? I mean, he sh- I forget which series it was where he really lit it up, but overall he shot 48% from three. Was he feeling himself or was he his usual calm self? So he's always super calm. Like he never is like cocky about his abilities or, you know, he doesn't overestimate himself, I think. But I think he was also feeling super good as well. I know everyone always brings up his age right like in every Mm -hmm. situation it's like oh how old is Al Horford like he's so old he's getting up there in years 
but I think he feels, you know, and I can't speak for him, but I, I think he feels really, really good. And I think that, you know, he showed up in the playoffs last season. I think he's going to do it again. That's what he's been doing for, you know, 15 seasons. So I think he's just going to kind of continue with that. He feels good. Good. Amazing. And kind of related to that, he uh, is going to play with the Dominican national team for FIBA qualifiers, which to your point, some people, no one on this uh, call would say, you know, maybe he needs to save himself for the upcoming season. Um, how do you immediate, immediate reaction to just him uh, representing the team? How do you feel about that? Yeah. I mean, as a sibling, I am like fully supportive and obviously there's a lot of like Dominican pride in our family and for him to be able to represent um, the Dominican Republic is so amazing. And I'm so proud of him. And I think something that people need to remember when it comes to players and, and their choices, especially in the off season is these guys are adults, <laughs> especially <laughs> when you're talking about Al, who is a very well-seasoned veteran, mm-hmm. you know, um, they're capable of making their own decisions and they're, you know, capable of making the right decisions. So they know their limitations, they know their bodies. Um, so I don't think any of these guys um, would put themselves, you know, on the line um, or, or do things they didn't want to do um, in the off season. Cause they don't have to. Um, but I do think fans should, should trust players when they're like, Hey, I've got this, or this is what I want to do. You know, um, I don't think any of those decisions are made lightly. So just, sure. um, just trust these guys really. Have you seen him play internationally much? Not much. I wouldn't say, I think the last time he was on a Dominican team, our brother John was on the team too. And mm-hmm. um, no, but I didn't even get to see them play. And, and like, I know um, Carl Towns is going to be um, maybe on the Dominican national team as well. And he actually played with our youngest brother, Josh um, <laughs> for like several like Dominican um, teams, you know, before he went pro and stuff. So, so it's, it's interesting. There's definitely a Dominican dynamic, um, that's kind of been built in the NBA, which I think is so cool. Um, cause it's, it's from a country you wouldn't really expect, um, to be producing, mm-hmm. you know, these top level athletes and stuff. So I think these guys are just excited to, um, to kind of showcase and put their country on their back, you know? I have a quick follow-up to that, which is that, um, and I'm speaking now as a Red Sox fan as well. Um, Boston has had some pretty special Dominican athletes represented in the past, most notably David Ortiz, Big Poppy, who is the Red Sox legend. Um, I'm just curious, has Al had any contact with Ortiz? Do those guys like talk at all? Um, so they definitely talk, they're friends. Um, and you know, he knows my dad and Al and Amelia very well. And, um, I mean, there's always like Dominican athletes kind of look out for each other. So, um, you know, there's always that sense of like camaraderie and whatnot. I don't know, like the last time they talked or anything, but, um, but Dominican athletes always kind of have each other's backs. And, and I would say Al and my dad and big poppy are like really up there as far as like Dominican athletes and, um, you know, the legacies that they're creating and have left and, and whatnot. So yeah, it's really great to see. 
I just think it's cool that, you know, there's two great Dominican athletes that have been a huge part of Boston, you know, big playoff runs in recent memory and hopefully more to come. I'm actually pretty psyched about this from the Latin American angle because here in Mexico City, where I am, they just redid a court in La Loteria fashion. It's um, a popular game here in Mexico. I don't know if they play it in the Dominican Republic as well, but it's part of an entire uh, Latin American court revitalization thing to try to bring the sport forward and create more Dominican Republics here in Mexico or like the kind of hotbed of activity that you guys have over there. Um, I would like to talk to you a little bit about the court that Al shared on Instagram in the Dominican Republic. Um, Could you tell us like a little bit about that court? Yeah, so I mean, it's uh, a court that's in La Romana um, in the Dominican, and it was kind of like a collaboration for the 75th anniversary, you know, of the NBA, and um, obviously Al being from the DR and being the first Dominican to reach the NBA finals, and for my dad to be the first Dominican in general um, to, to make the NBA, I think it was extra special for them, and we have family members involved uh, down there, like um, the promotional video that he posted. My uncle Kelly, who is my dad's younger brother, who like if people saw him, they were like, oh, he's like the skinnier version of Tito. Like he looks just like Tito. Um, he's in that video. And then my cousin Andy as well is in the video. Um, and they're kind of they do like basketball coaching down there and they've played um, in several leagues and whatnot. So it was totally like a family affair. Um, and a very, very cool thing for the community as well. And when I know when people think uh, the Dominican Republic, they think baseball. But now, you know, uh, kids have more options. And, and I think that that's amazing being able to introduce um, all these kids to a new sport is a very, very beautiful thing. Let me just tack on to that. Uh- Chris Duarte, I think, is also going to be on the Dominican national team. And he's, he's, he's a little older than, you know, some of the kids that I think are this court is being geared towards at 20, I think he's 24 now. But I, I wanted to ask you if you knew anything about the local scene, like how like the next generation is shaping up. I mean, is there a big burgeoning scene of, of future kids from the Dominican who might be in the NBA one day? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're going to take that bat or that baseball t- uh, title away too soon because, I mean, it's just, it's like American apple pie. It's like the Dominican in baseball. But I do think now that kids can see Al and, you know, other members of our family um, just succeed at such a high level, Carl Towns and Chris as well. And just every, every basketball player that, has come through the DR, I think has inspired these kids to want to try something new. And basketball is such a beautiful sport. It brings so many people together, you know, and I think that's what people love about it. And I think in the video, my uncle had said like, you know, it's kind of like an oasis for these kids who, you know, um, I mean, the Dominican, a lot of kids, they don't have a lot in general. And so sports can really be um, that kind of getaway, that sanctuary, that oasis um, for them to, to focus on and try to get out of hard situations or just try to get, you know, their mind off things. And, and so I think that's what 
this court is going to do. And, and I mean, we'll just see where it goes, but I think that, yeah, these kids seeing Al, I, I hear of so many stories of Dominican kids just being like, I want to be like Al Horford someday. Mm -hmm. And like, as a sister, I don't know if you can be more proud than when you hear stuff like that. So it's, yeah, it's awesome. One last question related to that video. I learned a new word, Kiskeyano. Do you guys use that a lot or is that something? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So like locals, natives and stuff. Um, I think I had to ask my dad about it actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So, and and it was, and I also, the other thing about the court I wanted to mention that I thought was so cool is that they brought in like a local like Dominican artist to um to help design the court and that just kind of added like that special touch and that realness and um something that like the kids can appreciate and yeah i wanted to ask you about the court so it's got a carnival theme and we both celebrate carnival in our respective uh countries uh mm-hmm. over there do you guys have like rosca de reyes where they have like the baby in the cake like they do the king cake <laughs> in new orleans which is also kind of a similar descendant yeah, no. So like, it's like, I think it's like a slight difference. Like there, I mean, everyone's kind of got like slight differences and stuff, but from what I know, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, and you guys, I'm sure you have your own like customs and, and whatnot with that, but that yeah. 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 <laughs> cool. I mean, Can't the, go wrong. the idea of Al Horford being a, a role model to kids in the DR, but also, I mean, in Boston, I was looking this up earlier, one in eight residents of Boston are of Dominican origin. Um, It's a huge community here. So, wow. Yeah. I I think that's what people don't, the skinny on Boston obviously is that it's old and white and parts of it are, but Mm -hmm. the city proper is majority non-white and it's a huge Haitian and huge Dominican uh, population anchoring that. Um, Mm -hmm. Actually the stone zoo is one of the zoos here and they have like a little Caribbean cove, um, to make reference to that, which is not nearly as I think important as the basketball court we're talking about. But mm-hmm. um, I do, I do love that like Al gets to play a part of that community kind of carrying that torch from, you know, Pedro and David Ortiz, people like that. Um, and it also means we have great Dominican food in Boston, which is um, something that not everyone knows about, but next time you're in Boston, there's a lot of great places to eat. Um, I'm going to pause the action and talk about our friends over at betonline.ag. And then Anna, I have a few more questions for you, if you don't mind. Yeah. So BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews of news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. You can head to bet online today or use your mobile device to join. And if you use our promo code CLNS50, you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right. Um, so a couple other things, you know, on this podcast, we love basketball, but we're also history teachers and just generally nerds. Um, so we care a lot about politics. Um, and your brother, John, recently ran for state rep. Um, so we were asking about what is it like to be, you know, the sister of an Al Horford? What is it like to be the sister of someone running for Congress? You know what? I feel like John has just the biggest balls. I don't know if I can say that. For <laughs> doing, past the ad read, for, you're great. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Um, he just has the biggest balls for doing it. 
politics is not something I would ever even want to dip my toe into. Um, and I'm just really proud of him. Like after he decided, you know, he was kind of done with basketball, done with the G league. Um, he was like, I want to make a difference and I want to impact our community directly. So he decided to run uh, for the house of representatives in the 77th district, which is a new district in Lansing, Michigan. And um, unfortunately he lost by 25 votes in the last election. Um, but this is not like discouraged him at all. He is still like pushing forward and, and I am just so proud that he decided to do it. And I think he'd be great for the community. Um, and he's, you know, he's made so many connections. Um, he's basically got the governor on speed dial, which I think is awesome here in Michigan. Um, so yeah, no, it's great. And, and I'm exci- excited to see what he does in the future. So he's going to definitely run again. Yeah. So right now his plan is to run again. Definitely. Um, the biggest issue I think with this campaign was that a lot of people in America in general, I think focus on federal level elections and they kind of ignore the local and state elections. No one really pays attention to them as much. Um, we really, really need young people to come out and vote um, in local elections and state elections. And, and that's how we're going to, you know, um, make positive change in this country. Um, millennials and Gen Zers think a lot differently than, you know, boomers and, and whatnot. And um, the only way we're going to be able to like allow our voices to be heard is through voting and just being informed, especially about your districts where you're living. Um, and, you know, that, that really hurt John and a lot of people had come up to him after the election and said, oh, well, I just didn't vote because like, I thought you were going to blow, um, blow everyone out of the water. Or I just didn't vote because, um, you know, I, I couldn't make it that day. Or I thought, you know, you were going to just easily beat your opponents. But whatever it was, he got so many excuses. And we were like 25 votes. Like, I'm sure all of you guys could think of 25 people you could be like, hey, get your ass to the polls. You know what I mean? And and that kind of determined the difference between a person of color winning who is very invested in the community and has done, you know, free community service for years and and whatnot, um, as opposed to the um, person who had won and kind of just kept with the status quo of things. So, so it really does make a difference. So I encourage young people, especially to get registered to vote and to go out and vote, definitely. I'm kind of curious, Anna, in your proximity to the campaign, if there's one kind of takeaway that you might have potentially for people who, I don't know, might be looking into running for office at some point in the near future, what would that be? What would be the advice just kind of from your perspective that you might dole out for someone running for a local elected office? Yeah, I mean, I think a big thing is definitely make sure that you know your community make sure that it's something that you want to truly like dedicate your life to. And then make sure that, you know, the people that you are shaking hands with and you're out, you know, canvassing. I think my brother knocked over 15,000 doors by himself. Um, And as like a large black man (laughs) in America, you know, um, there were some rural areas in his district um, that can be a challenge, but you just really have to persevere and just kind of push through and do the, do the work, like shake the hands, meet 
everybody. Um, and you know, there's, there's no voter who doesn't matter. So, so yeah, I mean, definitely know what you're getting into, make sure that you know your community and, um, yeah, I mean, just support causes that you believe in for sure. So, Anna, I guess that's the takeaway is everyone listening to this podcast should go make sure they're registered to vote right now. And yeah, um, Massachusetts, we have a primary coming up in September, so, uh, it's more real than you think. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Alex, just for the non-YouTube crowd, Alex just held up his voter mm-hmm. registration. You can't do it on the computer too. Um, so Anna, we'll, we'll let you go, but um, I know that you have a few things on the back burner. Anything you want to tell us about to keep an yes. eye on? Yeah, definitely. So like closer to, I think the start of basketball season, um, I'm going to be launching the next season of Horford Happy Hour, which kind of got pushed back just because of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, getting married and, <laughs> and all that fun stuff. So, um, I do have a new season coming up and I hope, um, for, for a lot of it actually to be on, on video this time around. And I just want to get more interactive with my listeners and followers and whatnot. Um, and also the Horford family is kind of playing around with the idea of a possible reality series. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. and so, so yeah, I mean, we don't, we haven't chosen yet. We're, what we want to do exactly, but maybe keep an eye out, um, specifically starting on YouTube. Um, but if you guys are entertained by my tweets and my <laughs> sister and brother's tweets, um, just buckle up and get ready for the, the real deal. So if that's yeah, something you, know, you guys are interested in, keep an eye out. <laughs> basketball wives has been established for a little bit, but basketball siblings, you might be onto something here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no. So, so yeah, definitely keep an eye out. I mean, there are five Horford siblings and we're all like eccentric and weird in our own ways. It's a very eclectic bunch. So, um, so yeah, that's something that we're kind of playing around with and, and a lot of people have shown interest and whatnot. So, um, so just follow me on Twitter. Anna Horford, and um, I'll keep you guys updated. I promise. Wow, tremendous! I, I have to tell on myself the stat that I give you about the Dominican population was outdated, and I read it wrong. But it's a pretty big diaspora in Boston. Um, <laughs> I just want to get ahead of that before Jerk. all the fan mail, you know. Um, uh, but anyways, it's still a it's still a big population. Oh, yeah. I mean, I meet Dominicans every single time I'm in Boston. And yeah. I'm in Boston a lot. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Oh, hell yeah. Um, all right. Well, hey, to our Dominican listeners and everyone else, make sure to be keeping up with the Horfords uh, because it sounds like th- that maybe that's the name of the show. How do you say keeping up with the Horfords in Spanish? I mean, I would say we're, we're actually thinking about just the Horfords. Oh, we're cool. just going to keep it regal. clean. We're going to just keep it clean, you know? So, so right. I think that's what we're kind of going for. We'll see. I can't wait for the episode where you, you hop on the Celtics Lab podcast. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's our ticket. Yeah, to I will. I will plug you guys. I will plug the shit out of you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. All right. Well, <laughs> the future queen of reality TV and Horford, thank you so much for stopping by, and um, <laughs> I'm sure we'll catch you soon, like around when the season starts or beyond. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you guys so much. Anytime. Adios. Thanks for coming on. Okay. Thanks again, Anna Horford. It's always fun when Anna comes around. Just because the news doesn't seem to stop, we just have a few things to discuss. And um, as we seem to be doing every week this summer, we can start with Kevin Durant. Um, 
I don't really remember the latest update um, last time we talked, but uh, he's not going to retire. Put that one to bed. Nope. Uh, he seems very much so to want to play in Boston, either because that's the realistic path to getting to a contender in his mind or because he loves um, Marcus Smart. But um, the Boston rumors. Someone is leaking that we should say. It's not him. Uh, he just took to Twitter to push back against the, the Mark Stein uh, Substack. Uh, suggestion that he might even he's he, some unnamed executive suggested he might retire before he plays for the Nets. So just to, to yeah, that feels that like story. one of those things that that was said maybe out of context or meant to be a joke um, because he has what does he have like 160 million dollars? It's yeah, silly. He's 190 something million dollars owed to him. Uh, he really likes playing basketball. He made it very clear he really likes playing basketball, and it's silly season. Even when you hear things that are coming from very reliable sourced reporters, yeah. remember it's silly season. He also low key still wants to win titles. Like he's chasing mm-hmm. LeBron right now. This is happening. He's not retiring anytime soon. What he is doing is uh, getting open run with Jason Tatum in the gym. Uh, Just saw a picture of that drop on the timeline. So for feeding your rumor fodder, Tatum and Durant, I think they were probably hanging out at Draymond Green's wedding and decided to get some shots up while they were there. But Mm -hmm. there might be a little bit of damage control with that tweet of him pushing back on the retirement news too, because it is getting a little bit rancorous on purpose here. And by the sources being anonymous and him saying, oh, no, 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 no. Then he gets to be, you know, not necessarily the good guy, but not the quite so bad guy. Yeah. And also we come from like a biased perspective where first of all, it's coming to rant. So the heat has turned up. It's like, have all its Celtic stuff. So the heat has turned up, but then like you see him at the Travis Scott concert with James Harden. And suddenly once you're removed from the Celtics bias, you're like, Oh yeah, he's definitely going to Philly. Look at that. Um, so it's, it's the silliest of silly seasons because it's a perennial MVP and a, a real enigma of a person. And I say that kind of admirably, I mean, come to Rent's personality is his own and I kind of respect it. Um, but it means that we have to continue to talk about it, write about it consider it. Um, and I also think that despite Boston and people in the front office seemingly doing a good job of putting out feelers saying, we love Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown understands this. I don't think they're categorically out. I think they're probably still fielding phone calls. That doesn't mean it's going anywhere. I don't think that they're picking up the phone and dialing, but I don't think that Boston is definitively out and just being named willy-nilly. I think everybody's waiting to see just how bad the mess gets in Brooklyn and just how low-ball of an offer they can get away with. Yeah, I don't think anybody's out per se. I think it's just a matter of who's... Are they going to be able to wait this long? We'll see. Yeah. uh, Jalen Brown, Derek White, and a first-round pick emotionally feels like something that I don't want to happen. Intellectually is for Kevin Durant... I, I, I don't know how I feel about it suddenly. Um, regardless, it doesn't seem like Jalen Brown necessarily is worried about any of this. Um, many people, uh, Grant Williams, people in the front office have said, hey, we've talked to him. He's handling this the way he handles it. He understands what's going on. Um, and to that end, we don't yet at this podcast think that um, he is any sort of risk to sour on Boston. Um, he, as Justin, you wrote about on Celtics Wire, his... Uh, upcoming extension. He probably won't sign it, but for 
Keith Can Smith wrote that and I aggregated it. Let's just be very upfront about that. <laughs> um, I was going to say he wouldn't sign it for fiduciary reasons. That doesn't make sense, right? Uh, I mean, financial reasons. Yeah, I mean, he wouldn't sign. I just it wanted to use the word fiduciary. I mean, yeah, sure, it's, it's a good word. It's a nice fifty cent. I feel like I think if fiduciary means something like a little more specific than just related to finances. I'm in right. the wrong field of work for that, so I can't help you. Regardless, yeah, we were just we we were barely doing math <laughs> before we recorded this. Um, I'll just say fiduciary again because it's one of the best words to say. Um, and and uh, speaking of Jalen Brown and not words, I like to say. Uh, Grant Williams suggested as such that actually Jalen Brown might be fueled by this, that it's quite a compliment to see your team demure on trading you for Kevin Durant. I mean, that's, that's pretty good. Um, He was saying either way, whether he's traded or not, this is going to be motivation. And of course it is. I mean, mean, have you not been watching this guy for the last six years? I mean, come on. And that's the thing, like, you know, the Michael Jordan documentary, I think, was revealing for a number of different levels. But one of them was that, you know, when guys are in the position that NBA players are, they will use just about anything to motivate them. So Jalen Brown having just names thrown around in rumors, regardless of whether they actually come to fruition or not. I'm sure that's a huge motivational piece for him, regardless of what happens. I hope he uses that motivation to commit fewer turnovers in the postseason. <laughs> Anyways, um, Bill Russell's number six jersey is in fact going to be retired across the NBA. That came out a few days ago. Um, players who wear the number six right now will be grandfathered into it or out of it, depending on how you want to frame it. Um, similar to how they did Jackie Robinson's number. So uh, LeBron, I suppose he could change jersey numbers before but he is entitled to keep that number six until he i don't you know i don't even know if it's lebron's decision to be perfectly honest there are a lot of number six jerseys for this up season, upcoming season that have already been made it's like a dozen or so yeah like 10 or a dozen <laughs> i mean but i mean even combined i don't think they have the same kind of pull as he does but this is Bill Russell. I don't think he wants the negative publicity of being the guy who complained about that. So no, no, no. I think Alex meant like if LeBron said, oh, "I'll wear number nine, Nike would say, "Like, what do we do that's, with all these LeBron number oh, six yeah. jerseys?" That's exactly they, what they I would meant. sell them, and then they would also sell the nine. So. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Kobe and LeBron changed numbers to sell more jerseys. So go for it, LeBron. Should be that double zero. That'd be cool. Um, but regardless, in, in all seriousness, we've talked about this on this podcast. I personally think that it's the right call. Um, I think that it in no way is an exaggeration for what Bill Russell meant for the league and for the culture writ large. Um, I can't really think of another way to honor a player like Bill Russell. I think this is a really great one. And his number six is a little iconic in a way. It's not some random number. I mean, it's it's pretty up there. Um, So I'm looking forward to that. I think that's the right call. Boston obviously has already had number six retired since the early seventies, but now league wide, um, Bill Russell's number six. Uh, Hank, I don't know if it's just off limits or they'll put up a, a jersey in, in all the Raptors around the league, but it's pretty cool. Um, just in the interest of news, Denzel Valentine uh, added to the training camp. Um, he has played for the Red Claws or the main Celtics. It's going to take years more before I step doing that too. I have, yeah, I have takes. Um, so he has some familiarity with the organization. Um, I don't know that Boston's backcourt needs more competition, but he is a veteran player um, who has been around the block more than once. So it'll be interesting to see what he adds to training camp and perhaps if he can make the roster 
I don't think that I think he will, but um, I'm willing to be wrong about that. I don't feel strongly about that. Seems pretty unlikely given where the roster is at. Maybe just in case, you know, somebody has to miss some time unexpectedly, but I would be very surprised if Denzel is on the roster opening night. They might use one of the three open roster spots for some wing depth just because it's the only other real position in the entire roster besides, you know, backup big man that could theoretically be used. But I mean, they're flexible enough in their roster already that I don't really see that as a major concern. So it's like we need somebody to for brother Thomas to compete against, basically. No offense, um, Denzel. I, I think he's still he's like six three. He's six five, I think. He's a little taller. So I guess he could be a backup small wing if they want to have that look and they see Gallo as the other backup three and hope they got one big, one small. Um, there's a player who's in between their heights that um, played small forward for most of his career that could come in and, you know, sit on the bench. and You're this relentless could... agenda pushing. I Like, Melo is not going to be a Boston Celtic. We're going to get through the trade deadline and be ready to release our trade deadline primer and Cam is going to be out here saying Carmelo Anthony needs to be a Boston Celtic. I think there's a higher likelihood he'll be an assistant coach with Boston than he will be a player. No offense. Seems reasonable to <laughs> For a second, I got hopeful that you knew something. Um, <laughs> no, he's. I think he'll be a Laker, but uh, I would I would sign him because for fun. Anyways, uh, Kelly Olenek got married and he wore a hat. <laughs> Good, good job out of you. Um, that was certainly a choice. Um, and yeah, the Kevin Durant thing really looms large. Otherwise, it's tweaks to the training camp roster and players getting married. It's it's a fun time in the offseason. We have a Christmas Day game. We did not put on. Oh, we should talk. Oh, yeah, about we could that. talk about that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as well, they might. The defending Eastern Conference champions, the Boston Celtics, were awarded a Christmas Day game which um, they went a long time actually without Christmas day games until the, the 08 Celtics kind of brought them back. Um, but Boston will once again be hosting a Christmas day game, which they haven't done in a while or they've done scantily in a while. What was the last one? Toronto? Uh, maybe. I can't um, remember. It's but, all been like one long season since the start of the pandemic, but anyways. Yeah. We get to see Giannis and co come to Boston Um the um, last Christmas good. day was actually Celtics in Milwaukee, if I'm yeah if I'm on that. That sounds right. With the, the maybe the cream city jerseys. Yeah. Clearly we prepped for this for the podcast. <laughs> uh I actually um I think that, that might be the, the game of the other than maybe Warriors Grizzlies, I think that's the best game on the slate. Yeah, I agree. I think that you know Tatum and Giannis were talking about the guys who I think at least are probably going to be the two best players in the Eastern Conference for the foreseeable future. So going to be a nice heavyweight title fight. We love it. Soon after, we should get the full schedule probably next week. So maybe we'll have that to talk about next pod. If not, probably the pod after. That's true. And Gary Washburn mentioned that there's a pretty good chance the Celtics are going to be opening at home this year as well, which should be very fun. Very cool. Well, uh, for anyone who's made it this far on the podcast, probably you've already liked and subscribed because you're very loyal. But if you haven't, it makes such a big difference to us. Please do. Otherwise, yeah, we will be back with schedule news or something else that we can cook up. And we'll catch you next week. Adios.